Please be advised, nothing in this podcast should be taken as therapy, medical care, or mental health care advice. Topics discussed by the host and guests reflect their own personal experiences and are not intended to replace the services of medical or mental health professionals. And please know, if you are having any thoughts of self-harm or taking your own life, please call or text 988. Help is available 24-7. Welcome to another episode of We All Have Something, a listener-supported podcast. And if you're new here, well, it's that first link in the episode notes is where you can become a supporter. I tell you what, we have the best listeners. This podcast is growing and growing, getting more supporters, getting more sponsors. And I just, I can't thank you guys enough. It really, it's just so much fun putting these podcast episodes together for you. And I love the fact that you respond with messages on social media. Some of you have emailed me. You're clearly passing this around as listenership continues to grow. And for you supporters, those of you who have decided you want to be a monthly supporter, thank you so very much. Now, this particular episode, I normally like to you know announce a new supporter if we have. We don't have any new ones this go around, which is fine. But I do want to say that big thank you to those of you who have been, whether you've been supporting from the beginning of season three when this became an option or you just recently started, I can't thank you enough. It just means so much to me to know that you are passionate about these topics and supporting this podcast and the message we put out there. And thank you for those who maybe you can't afford to be a supporter, but you are sharing this content or you're messaging me on social media or sending me emails. I appreciate it so much. I love, I love, love, love this. We all have something community. And with that, I want to share a little bit more love. I want to talk to you about your inner critic because, well, I've had a couple conversations. I'm working with a client right now, and he gave me permission to talk about this without using his name or specifics. And so I appreciate that because I think it's important that we have this discussion in general. I think we can sometimes accept our inner critic as just being our inner voice. And we can accept our inner critic for the words they use, the tone they take, and the things they say. And that's what this episode is really about, is to draw more awareness to that and and maybe with that awareness realize we need to shift some things around. But but let, let's first just roll that intro music and then we'll get into it. I'm Rick Schwartz, life coach, public speaker, and all-around curious guy. My curiosity, my life, and the lives of the many people I have worked with have taught me time and time again that there are challenges to overcome and successes to celebrate. You're listening to We All Have Something, a podcast about the human experience, a podcast about celebrating our authentic self. So let's get started. The inner critic, that voice inside our head. You know, I was researching this after having a discussion with my client to try and get a better understanding of it. You know, again, because coaching is not therapy. We're not here to to help you through these big, heavy you know, issues with our mental or emotional state. Coaches, we're here to point out going, hey, maybe you should look into that more. Maybe you should find a specialist for that, whether it's finances or your mental health or, or anything else, right? We're here to find the answers within. We're here to help you get past the hard stuff, expose your blockers, step on those accelerators, and really focus on those key areas of life and go, okay, this is your goal. Let's put together an actual structured framework to get you there. But sometimes in these discussions, when we talk about blockers, especially, the inner critic comes up. The inner critic, that voice that tells you you're not good enough. That voice that says, why would you try that? You don't even know what you're doing. That voice that says, oh, you're so stupid. I can't believe you did that. One of the first things I like to ask people when you start talking about the inner critic is what you say to yourself, how you degrade yourself, punish yourself, the way you talk to yourself. Would you talk the same way 
to your child if they if they did an error, if they didn't do something correctly? Would you talk to your grandmother or someone else that you cherish and love in your life and respect? Would you talk to them the way you talk to yourself? Would you allow your inner critic to step outside of you and get up in their face and say some of the things you say to yourself? Probably not. Every time I ask that question in a conversation or with a client, the answer is like, oh, God, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say have that stuff out loud. And that is a reality check I want you to, I want you to check in with yourself right now. When you're being critical, whether you're running late for work, you forgot to do something, you, you were trying to multitask, which of course just scatters your focus thin and you forgot some things, or you made a bad decision or a bad choice, or you, you slipped and you dropped something. I mean, there's so many things we as humans just don't do perfectly all the time. And that's, that's part of being human. That's what it's about. When you have those moments, what do you say to yourself? I will be the first to stand up and say, I used to say the word stupid to me all the time. I don't even know where that came from. Like, oh, you're so dumb. You're so stupid. I can't believe you did that. Oh, what a stupid choice you made. I'll be like thinking back to something I did even like 10 years ago, and I'll call myself stupid for making that choice. It doesn't change anything. So why, why am I degrading myself? Why am I choosing to lower myself and, and take apart my character? I wouldn't do that to a friend. I wouldn't even do that to an acquaintance. It's not how I would talk to somebody else. But yet I hold myself not only to a higher standard, but then I degrade myself. I punish myself using vocabulary and words that aren't appropriate for anybody to use to someone else. So let's talk about the inner critic. Well, when I did some some reading on this, and I, I've actually been very curious about this for a while because I've worked with a few people where we've kind of worked through this stuff. And it, honestly, I will say I was the guinea pig. I would stop myself when I'd hear myself call my my myself dumb and stupid. What an idiot. Can't believe you did that. You're such an idiot. And I'd be like, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Why, why would I say that about me? Who Who said that? Why, why is that okay? It's not okay. You're not dumb. You're not stupid. You might have made a mistake. You might have been busy. You might have been thinking clearly. You might have been lacking focus, but you're not dumb. You're not stupid. You're not an idiot. So why? Why would you say that? When we go back and have the opportunity to, to think about where that inner critic first starts, you know, we're not boring. We're not boring. When we take time to think about where that inner critic first started, it starts usually with a family member modeling for us how they either talk to themselves or how they talk to us. Sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes it's a peer or a friend or a conglomeration of different events that have occurred in our past where maybe we had a teacher or a coach or an uncle or a parent or an aunt or a sibling call us out when we were little saying we were dumb for doing something, we were stupid for doing something, or we witnessed someone do something wrong and say, oh, I can't believe I was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. We start to adopt this script then as a way to talk to ourselves when we make an error. Nobody gave us the proper script of when you make an error, acknowledge you made the error, and then remedy it as best you can, and then move forward. Instead, there was some sort of self-deprecation we picked up on, some sort of punishment we picked up on, and or were given in our youth. Now, keep in mind, your youth is much longer than just, say, four, five, six years old. Our brain is developing our reality. Our brain is still 
not really goo, but the brain has certain stages that it goes through in development in which it's creating the reality that we decide is now real for the rest of our life. And it does not stop until our early 20s. So you could be in college and have a trusted college professor or friend or coach say something degrading to you. And for some reason, because they're in a position of authority, it sticks. And it becomes how you view yourself when you make a mistake or an error, or it's the reality. Like how many of you out there right now, like, oh, I'm, I'm no good at math. I can't do math. You're 40 years old and you're saying you can't do math. I'm no good at it. I'm just naturally not good at it. Or I'm not, I'm not very good at language. I can't, I can't do, I can't read and write very well. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that was my dialogue for a long time. As, as an undiagnosed dyslexic all the way through to the end of high school and beginning of college, that was my self-talk. I, I'm not good at reading and writing. I can't do that. Well, right now I write a lot. I, I'm in the middle of writing a book. I write scripts all the time for podcasts, not just this one, but other ones too. I write all the time and I read all the time and I make mistakes, but it's not because I'm not good at it. It's because I have dyslexia and that's all right. And that's no big deal. I, I make mistakes and I move on. I had to learn that. I had to reteach myself. My inner dialogue, my inner critic had to be taught <laughs> how to properly behave when I make errors. And it still happens and it will happen for the rest of my life. It doesn't mean I'm not good at it. It doesn't mean I'm not a good script writer. It doesn't mean I'm not good at writing communications. It just means I make mistakes. When we are in a situation growing up, specifically, you know, let's say sports, right? And there's a lot of high pressure to win, to perform best, to improve all this stuff, which it's sports. I understand it. Half the reason people play a game is to win the game, right? The other half is to have fun. Hopefully that balances out. I, I would rather personally have the attitude of, you know, 70% of the time I want to just have fun. And sure, if I win, that's great too, but no big deal. But when we are raised in those environments, we have coaches who want to win. They want to see us succeed. Their, their goal is to push us. And there's great ways to push someone supportingly and get them to grow that way forward. And there's also negative ways to pressure them to not want to be a loser, not want to be someone who sucks at doing something, who just couldn't do it if they tried, whatever, whatever you want to say. Whatever dialogue you find inside your mind, would you make an error? Or when you think, I want to try and do something, and then all of a sudden you hear, ah, oh, but that's it's not for me. I couldn't do that. I'm not like those people who do that. I, I couldn't do that. I, I have this wrong with me. I have that wrong with me. There's no way I won't, I don't have time for it. All of those things. When you hear that, when you hear that ratchet up, if you can, stop yourself. Stop for a moment and identify it and ask yourself, where's that coming from? It's not your voice. I promise you that. You've adopted someone else's voice. You adopted someone else's script. I remember when I was in high school, I had a, a, a student counselor who told me and then later my parents that I shouldn't pursue the career that I wanted to, to pursue because it wasn't really a real career. It wasn't something people could really do. And it was his own ignorance speaking. He wasn't being malicious. He wasn't being mean. And I'm sure in his heart, he thought he was looking out for me that why set this kid up for failure, who's not very good at school. He's smart, but he's not good at school. So let's not, let's not set him down a path where he's going to experience more failure. I guarantee you that's where this man's mind was. He was a great, not great, I don't know. Maybe he was a great guy. He was a really nice guy, though. I knew him outside of school. He lived on the same street I did. He was not a bad person. But his words of, this isn't a real career, you, you're, you should choose something more realistic, that stuck with me in the sense of, 
Why would an adult tell a high schooler that? Now, I'm fortunate. I had parents that heard that and said, okay, well, he's going to do it anyways because he does whatever he sets his mind to. My parents saw that in me growing up, that if I made a decision to see something through, I would do it until I saw it was not the right choice. I wasn't going to take someone else's word on it. It's a stubborn streak that runs through my family, for better or for worse, take it whatever you will. But nonetheless, I was fortunate I had my parents' support moving forward. But if they would have bought what he said, if I would have considered what he said, it would have completely changed the trajectory of my life. I don't know where I would have ended up, what I would have been doing, but I've had a great career since then, following my passion and my bliss and not listening to that inner critic. But I will say this, I had other teachers growing up that would tell me that, look, you're, you're clearly smart. You're just not trying. You're not applying yourself. You're being lazy. Now, this stemmed from the fact that I couldn't turn in homework or do well on tests or quiz because of the dyslexia. We didn't know it at the time. That's what it was. But I could not get past the test anxiety that would come up along with then not being able to read stuff in a timely manner to then digest it, comprehend it, and give a decent answer. Now, if you talk to me about the topic, if you talk to me about what we talked about in class, I could bring it right back to the surface and tell you everything you wanted to know about it. I had one or two teachers throughout my high school career that, that understood that, and, and they would let me do oral exams. But the majority of them would tell me, I'm just being lazy, I'm not trying hard enough, and you know, I just, I'm not applying myself. Well, guess what? I adopted that dialogue. I adopted that dialogue that I was academically lazy. I adopted that dialogue that I just wasn't going to, I wasn't trying. I didn't want to try. Why would I try? I'm lazy. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to apply myself. I'm going to just do other stuff. When I got into college, I had to work very hard to shake that belief and that inner critic and that voice that that's what it was. Enough about my story, though. I want to I wanted give you some tips here as we wrap this up. I want to give you some tips. One of the great things I read, I think it was Brene Brown. And I also, uh, gosh, was it the beginning of this season or maybe, maybe last season, interviewed another coach. The concept that they take is they're going to name their inner critic. They're going to give a name to it. This is one way you can start wrestling with the idea that, that this is not my voice. This is not my script. This is not me talking. So think of a name that is that's going to be a critical name, a rough name. What is it? Is it is it a you know is is it just a person's a jerk? That's a jerk's voice, right? Or or maybe some other voice you want to give it. Maybe there's somebody in your past who had critical things to say about you, and so you can give it that name, whatever name you want to give it. Okay, let's say let's say it's Alice. You know, Alice is rude and sharp with her tongue. When you start to hear that inner critic speak up. Alice, stop it. Sit down. I'll hear from you later. Right now, I need to think through this. Sometimes that simple stopping, addressing it, giving it a name, telling it to sit down, as silly as it may sound, trust me, this, is, this will put you on the path of gaining more control over your negative self-talk. There are other techniques as well, such as when you hear yourself saying, I'm not good at that. Well, I'm not very good at doing videos. I'm not very good at social media. I'm not very good at finances, so my finances are all over the place. When you hear yourself say that, stop and reassess, reword it. I'm still learning how to improve on my finances. I am learning how to do better videos for social media. I am learning how to, okay? So instead of affirming you can't because you never will, I'm not good at, well, you never will be, at whatever the subject might be, I'm not very good at relationships. I'm not very good at, at working with other people. I don't like people. Change it to, I'm learning 
to do better in relationships. I'm learning to work better with people. Okay? That little shift, it might sound funny, but words have power to them. We've talked about it before in this episode, or not this episode, this podcast. We've talked about it before in this podcast. Words have power. It changes the chemistry in your mind, changes the emotions, how you feel. Your body reacts on a very subtle level, but it's there. Trust me, there is science behind this. If you have an inner critic telling you you're not good enough, no matter what you do, reevaluate that, address it, give that, that inner critic a name, start changing the dialogue on how things are said inside your head, and I will encourage you right now, if this is a sticking point for you, if this is a really tough thing for you to push through, my parents were incredibly critical and hard on me, and now I'm critical and hard on me. Or I had a coach that was critical and hard on me. Or maybe it was parents and a coach or parents and a teacher or all the above, whatever it may be. If you are wrestling with that inner critic who has stifled you over and over again from being able to grow into the person you want to be, from keeping you from living the life you want to live, I encourage you, I encourage you, I implore you, please look at working with a therapist to work through the roots of where this came from. You know, it's great for me to sit here and tell you as a coach, oh, you can name it and tell it to sit down and shut up. You know, it's great for me to sit here and go, oh, well, once you start hearing yourself say certain things, change the words. You know what? For a lot of people, that will work. For a lot of people, it makes sense and it will start shifting stuff if you do take those steps. But please know if for any reason, this inner critic, this inner voice, the habits you have built around housing this inner voice are stronger than that, please look at getting a therapist to help you work through this. It is so empowering. I, and this is why. This, I really believe we all have the opportunity here to live an amazing life. You know, you're in a critic right now be saying, oh yeah, that's great. That's easy for you to say, Rick, you know, you're, you're a dude and, and you're white and, and you're in the US. You have all these opportunities. It's easy for you to say. There are so many people out there who have not accepted what they were born into, and worked to change their story. They worked to change their inner dialogue, their attitude, and the direction they went. That's not to say it was easy. And that's not to say that as a white man living in America, I have fewer barriers. I completely see that, and I recognize that. But what I'm saying is I've also worked with enough people, met enough people, traveled around the world enough times to know there are a lot of people in, that are in really bad situations, born into bad situations, who decided that they're not going to just sit back and accept what they were given. They're going to work to change it. If you can start now, wherever you might be, 20 years old, 40 years old, 80 years old, you start now with changing how you allow that inner critic to show up and what your inner dialogue says to you on a daily basis. Oh, trust me, that is the foundation of shifting everything. It really is. It really is. Get down into those roots, dig up that inner critic and throw them away. Plant some beautiful stuff there for you to grow into. It may not be easy. I'm not trying to say that it is. And I'm not saying you might not be in a much worse situation than I am with just having a school counselor tell me, you know, that's a bad choice for a job. But I encourage you to really think about what is your inner critic and your inner voice telling you? What are the things you want to accomplish in life that you've talked yourself out of because you don't believe you're worthy or you're able or capable or have the opportunity? What are the things that you could be doing now had you not allowed your inner critic to step up and block you? Where can you go now, starting today, when you hear this, to shake off that inner critic, to put them in their place, 
and to start moving towards the life you deserve and the life you want. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. You know the routine here. If you want to get a hold of me, you're welcome to go to my website, coachrickschwartz.com. You can find me on social media, pretty much all the platforms. Just search Coach Rick Schwartz. I'll pop up. Got a YouTube channel along with this podcast you've listened to. If anything in this episode or any other episodes has struck you as being of value, I would really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast, if it's something you can do, or stars or whatever it is in the app or wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a difference, especially for those looking for for another podcast. This tells them that, hey, these other people were, were enjoying it. They like this episode. Maybe I'll go check it out as well. And as many of you already have, continue to share. Continue to share these episodes. This is how we make a difference in the world. It's it's by sharing. It's by sharing ideas and thoughts, not telling them what to do, not telling them how to do it, not how they should live their life, not telling them what they've done wrong or how they are wrong, but instead giving them ideas on how they might be able to improve their life and themselves. Because as we each improve ourselves, we're improving the world around us. Because then as we get to a place where we can spend more time loving and less time being critical of ourselves, we can have that ripple effect out to everybody else. I've seen it work. I've seen it happen. I've seen it in my clients. I absolutely love, love, love that ripple effect. All right, everybody, I'm going to wrap this up as I always do. Thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate you. I appreciate you a lot. Have a good one, everybody. 